Jason Moorhouse, MHK for Arbury, Castleton and Maloo, finds himself wholly detached from any government responsibility, leaving him free to grill ministers on all areas of policy and delivery. His approach has been criticised for being too focused on local constituency matters, but on agenda this week he talks about big national topics like housing, cost of living crises and an all-island rate. I began by asking Jason Moorhouse about his Tinwell motion concerning an all-island leisure rate. Quite a busy, quite a busy Tinwell order paper in relation to what government has, has got down. But there's only uh, you and I think Mr. Speaker that seem to have any items um, that are non-governmental items. Um, I suppose the, that's a good place for, for us to start. Then uh, your your um, private members' uh, motion. Uh, what uh, what what is all that about? Um, we had. A debate about rates and local authorities at the end of um, the summer, well, before the summer holiday, and it became quite clear that there was a desire to do something in that area. But I think actually to go s- straight for radical reform is possibly too much. And at the same time, in Castletown, there's been a movement towards this looking at the leisure rate and looking at what could be done with that. And I thought it would perhaps be an opportune moment to basically see if there's any appetite in Timor to actually look at the rating system and just focus on one element of it, and in this case, look at a potential leisure rate. Um, Many people across the island are contributing to something quite similar. You've got a lot of people who don't contribute to this. So I thought it would be kind of one of those opportune moments to actually look at it the rating system from the outside and look at what could be a useful indication of what could happen. Because, of course, we, we already do have a, a, an all-island rate when it comes to water and mm. sewerage, so effectively what you would be looking at would be an extension of, of a principle that already exists uh, in relation to leisure. Um, but w- why specifically have you, you, you picked leisure? Um, It's one of those that really came up with the Southern Swimming Pool Challenges and in terms of um, increasing the rate to make that Southern Swimming Pool available and other local authorities across the island who had similar challenges. And I thought, you know, it's given that issue, is this opportune moment to actually look slightly beyond the people who are paying this and look at other areas and see if something could be done that will be beneficial to all island residents. So in terms of the offering, in terms of what could be done with that money. At the same time, I'm aware that to actually push the rates up will create many more issues, people struggling to pay their basic bills as it is. But given those kind of two key factors, I thought it was an opportune moment to say to um, Comin, is there anything that could be done with this area? And it's quite interesting that when the Chief Minister's responded to Castletown Commissioner's request for um, an update on this area, there was a suggestion that um, the Department of um, Education and Culture was actually looking at this. So there is potentially some inroads already there. I've been in contact with Minister Edge and she's been more prepared to listen rather than move this forward with me. But I'm hoping that, you know, when we get on to this later in the week, there's going to be that opportunity to actually look at this in a constructive way. It's an interesting motion that I don't want it just to be 
pushed aside. I wanted to be really thought about and debated. And it, and it certainly is. And and uh, you know, the, the I think the arguments have already been rehearsed uh, reasonably publicly. That, for example, uh, the the. The, the local authorities in the east of the Isle of Man currently pay, pay nothing mm. to their swimming pool. Uh, now, the, the the argument then is, well, it's a national pool, therefore it's it's paid for through taxation, uh, the, the income tax and the like, as opposed to rates, mm. which, of course, is another form of taxation. It's not a, not a, a charge for services. It is actually a tax. Um so, but but I mean, Douglas then responds and says, "Well, we gave the land for the the national pool for free, uh, therefore we shouldn't have to pay." Uh, there's a fair to Midland uh, argument there for for Douglas, but of course we still got Braddon, Onken, and uh, parts of uh, Garth that uh, don't pay anything, uh, don't contribute anything. Um, so presumably your motion is is an attempt to address uh, that unfairness. Yeah, to, to actually create some balance, but also to create some additional opportunities in terms of this money there's potentially going to be a slightly increased fund available for pushing leisure for pushing um, opportunities on the island um, it may be something that local authorities do but also may create a fund of money that private entrepreneurs can get hold of and move things forward so I think it's just kind of an opportune moment to actually look at the the offering we've got and really decide whether there's possible better opportunities out there. Okay. Um, other items then on the Tin World Order paper, I mean, there's, there's quite a few statements to start with, which um, the first two, I think, uh, look, look quite interesting. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure they'll all be very interesting, but uh, two there, one, one from the Chief Minister, update on public service governance, and then a, uh, a statement from the Minister for the Cabinet Office on Public Services Commission, um, it is fair to say that government, uh, or the, the hierarchy in terms of the civil service, is, is sort of left in a kind of suspended animation mm. at the moment, uh, not being sure. I mean, the, the idea is that until a decision is taken as to what we do in, in relation to the chief secretary replacement, then none of the other appointments should be made permanent. Um, but that does mean that you have people in very senior roles not entirely sure whether they are committing to something which is their long-term future mm. or whether they are committing uh, something which someone else is then going to have to take over at some point in the future. And inevitably, that will mean that, from a civil service perspective, they're going to be less inclined to take uh, the, the big steps, the bold steps. Uh, they'll be waiting until there's clarity as to as to who's going to be taking this on. Um, yeah, I completely agree in terms of those senior members of the civil service have become very conservative with a small c in terms of what they should do. And if they're in a temporary position, that's going to be a case of we must take even fewer risks and stick to the status quo to a larger extent. So I recognise that, but at the same time, I also think we need to be looking really carefully at what is placed on the table in terms of these changes because there is the opportunity for something good to happen, but again, it could be something that's costly and results in lots of duplication. If that's the case, we end up in a potentially worse position than we are now. So we really need to look at what is offered and how the Chief Minister shares his vision with us, because at the moment there's still a lot of question marks over what we're actually going to get and 
how it's going to be beneficial. Because in, in, in essence, we, the system we've had in terms of the, the civil service side of things uh, has been in place pretty much since 1990 when the... Uh, the, the, the Council of Ministers Act came into being and, and Council of Ministers became a, a, the, the, the way in which government is done in the island. So, so the, you know, th- after 30 years, it probably is time for a, a, a bit of a review to see whether the system is working as efficiently as it could do. Oh, oh definitely. It's also that issue in terms of the relationship between the civil service and ministers because that's kind of become so separated and... Having been both in infrastructure and health, I've been able to see the ways in which it's perhaps not been aligned for the public good like you'd expect. And you've got a group of civil servants who are absolutely fantastic trying to push things forward. And another group of civil servants who are in very key positions who aren't wanting to rock the boat and aren't wanting to bring too radical changes in in case it's a high risk and it impacts on them. So... I think, yeah, it is an opportune moment to actually look at the the offering we've got in place now and actually try and tighten it up. And again, it's something that links back to the ransom case and in terms of the work issues there, in terms of how the minister and the CEO related. And I think that's going to be a key factor in shifting things forward. You're listening to Jason Moorehouse, MHK, member for Arbury, Castletown and Maloo. And the other, uh, well, interesting item is that uh, the the new health minister is coming to Tim looking for eighteen and eighteen point three million pounds um, for for the health service. Uh, Rob, Rob Collister's uh, certainly starting off in a, a quite extravagant way, uh, one might suggest. That's it. In a way, you think, yeah, thank goodness there's a new minister, so he's got another honeymoon period. Um, on paper, this looks good. In terms of the challenges, it's going to be one of, if we reduce these lists, can we actually keep the number of people on the list low? Because there's going to be nothing worse than allocating of £18 million to have a short-term improvement with there being no noticeable benefit in three to five years' time. So that is going to be a key concern that we'll be raising later in the week. And and I suppose the other question, you know, bearing in mind, you know, with Prior to that, there'll be a statement from the Treasury Minister. I mean, you, you had your emergency Timnall mm. in, in September where huge sums of, of government money were committed to try and uh, help people through the cost of li- living crisis. There are still some fairly fundamental gaps, for example, in, in uh, how the MUAs uh, are going to manage in, in terms of the price cap. Um, another £18 million be- being spent here. Uh, where's where's government getting all this money? It, it is a concern, and an equally big concern is that the money's been handed out, and many people aren't actually aware of these support mechanisms that are in place. Um, in June, for example, there were thousands of island residents who got the £150, and many of them thought it was a increase in their pensions going forward rather than just a one-off payment. And I think there's you know, a real, real need that when there is a change, that when the, this money is given in October, people are actually given the the red light to say this is for specific challenges that you're going to meet in the next six months in terms of your increased energy bills, your food bills, all the other bills are going to be mounting up. And it was one of those interesting questions I asked back in June just in terms of we're giving £6.3 million at this point, 
but how many of these people actually are aware that this money is coming through? I had a lady from a debt support agency who contacted me and she was quite concerned that several of her clients had received funding earlier this year and again they thought it was that regular increase in income rather than a one-off and I think we really need to say to people this is a one-off payment in terms of October you're going to get something else in December but it's for a specific purpose and when I raised it with the minister in June the minister was really kind of reluctant to go down that road you know he thought it was a case of this is support is now a case of individuals deciding what to do with the money. And I think he was quite offended to a certain extent by my suggestion that people weren't actually seeing this as a support mechanism, but a temporary increase in income that would be repeated next month potentially. So I really do hope that is looked at um, because the money just comes through as an increased payment. It's not a separate payment in their bank. It's just an extra £300, whatever, which going up to Christmas is fantastic, but people really need to kind of focus on this. Um, in terms of the MUA, that again is a huge concern. We've got a little bit of clarity going forward in terms of the £26 million that Tim would have supported. That is a loan that people are going to be paying back. But my big concern is what actually happened in the year to the 31st of March 2022. Um, I've been asking questions on this for months and we're potentially looking at a sum of well over £50 million that's gone to helping local people and local businesses deal with this increased energy challenge. And, you know, it's one of those things I've said a couple of times before. If I go into Strand Street and say, how's the UK government helped their residents with increasing fuel prices? They'll say, the £400 and what's happening here? And we've got an energy cap that the people are going to be paying for in the future and it's going to be a repayment not based on your income or your wealth it's going to be based on being a MUA electricity user so we're all going to be paying those 17 pounds and that is a concern it's good that we're actually not having a massive 70% increase in electricity prices this month but at the same time that is being paid for in a rather interesting way that many people aren't that clear on. And, and I, I think there is a, an, an assumption, isn't there? Uh, and, you know, I, I've been guilty of this when I was in Tinwald and, and in Council of Ministers, the t- Tinwald bubble, the Comin bubble, uh, people assume that because they've said it publicly mm. that everyone will know. Uh, whereas, you know, sadly, I have to say, uh, most people don't listen to Tinwald. They don't uh, listen to the erudite speeches of the members, let, let, let alone the ministers. And, uh, uh, yeah, that they'll they'll get a few occasional headlines. and, and um, mm. but, but the clarity as to what exactly is being done really does need to be pumped out there by the, the government uh, media machine. Uh, oh, definitely, because the comms section government is huge. And they have the potential to do it an incredible amount. But in terms of that initial £6.3 million, all the information there went out in a press statement in April that many people didn't really see. And by to come to June, it had been long forgotten. And I worry that this £5 million plus package that's been released over the coming weeks, again, is going to be put forward in the form of a press release that came out 10 days ago and people have already forgotten you know, these are big amounts of money. And what many people are saying is, why can't we have a COVID-style press conference? 
where actually the chief minister and the treasury minister, they're on camera explaining what's being done, how they're helping people and how they're trying to make a difference. You're pretty good these days to ask a question or two. Uh, any particular highlights on, on your questions for the Tinwald Order paper, the, this, this Tinwald? Yeah, I, I think it's yeah become an increasing area of interest from the questioning. And it's one of those things that you can do a lot with emails, but you've always got the problem with emails that you can't really make people aware of it. You know, there's been a lot of correspondence between myself and... Um, Minister Edge about the new school in Casa Russian, Casa Russian, and um, a lot of that is kind of, ooh, you know, this can't go into social media. And at the same time, you're thinking, well, how to get this out? And the best way to get things into the public arena is through questioning. And one of my key questions for next week is actually looking at um, the maximum income that's going to prevent people from getting social housing in Ireland. And at the moment, it's about £33,000, which looks a good sum. But if you take a step back and you're looking at a couple and you're looking at the living wage, you're actually pushing through that level. You're thinking, what's going on here? Every week I'm getting correspondence from constituents who are saying, we can pay £1,100 for a rent with two children, but we can't go beyond that. And at the same time, there's nothing actually available. And I'm responding and saying, I'll forward this to the Chief Minister and a way to respond, but the responses don't come. I'm going to get many responses very soon, hopefully. But it's hopefully going to actually get them to actually look at this amount of money and get them to actually respond appropriately. Because, you know, we have got a major issue in the housing market and this is just one of them. So hopefully the Infrastructure Minister will come back and say, yeah, we've looked at this. And we're going to actually do something about it. Of course, the, the other uh, big item, uh, well, several items, I think there's five or six of them altogether, are in relation to climate change. Mm. Um, and uh, I wasn't entirely sure why they needed to be in, in, the, in the order that they are, and maybe one or two items might have dealt with it. But um, you've got the climate change plan, you've got the roadmap, uh, interim targets... Um, the report on the phase one action plan report um, banning single-use plastics uh, quite a lot in there um, that's going to quite dramatically impact on people's lives in the future most likely for the positive yeah I think initially there's going to be issues and I think it's going to lead to a better debate by splitting things up because if you end up with the whole package in front of you in one item the separate strands can get lost and when Mrs Kane is coming back and responding to this it's more challenging for her whereas if we actually have a clear clarity in terms of each area it will hopefully enable things to go forward in a more constructive manner and enable us to kind of drill down more effectively and get clear answers so I do recognise it's an interesting one and it's actually extending the tool paper out but you know, it's something that needs to be considered and we need to actually look at the full implications of everything now more than ever. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it, it could be argued, and indeed I've probably argued it myself, that uh, a lot of the problems that we have in relation to uh, cost of living crises at the mm. moment, um, if we had a more sustainable way of, of, of living, uh, we'd be less susceptible to these uh, alterations that you price hikes in gas and things like this that are happening you know hundreds if not thousands of miles away from our shores oh definitely i think it's going kind of beyond um 
just being green. I think it's going back to being sensible. And I think one thing that this energy crisis is doing is getting people to actually look at what they need, look at which pods of the house are going to heat most effectively, look at insulation, look at more appropriate ways to live. And I think we're going to have the greatest step forward in terms of a move towards be more green in the next six months than we could have envisaged and that's going to be because people responding to other issues and I think it's quite an interesting time and I think just going back to that cost of living issue I think the statement that the Treasury Minister puts out next week is going to be really quite exciting. I think um, the initial statement we've had was limited in terms of solving ongoing issues. There was the issue at the MUA, there was a big price increase coming through, they had to sort that out. There was the Green Living Grant that wasn't quite working, they need to give that an improvement and fortunately the Minister's seen it needs more than what was on offer and that's been looked at. But also the bus vanning and the £2 bus fare, you know, that's could be good. But I've said several times in terms of the people of Aubrey Castle Town and Maloo, when that starts on the 1st of November, I need that reassurance that if people are at the bus stop, they get to work. And the bus stop filled by people from Russia who are going, this is fantastic, I can now get to work <laughs> for £20 a week. Finally then, we're, we're, we're coming towards the end of the programme. Obviously not on this month's order paper, but on next month's uh, order paper will be the economic strategy. There's so much um, in there um, and yet the detail is quite light still. So, for example, uh, in relation to the 15,000 people that we the government wants to, to see on the island, uh, there's no real clarity as to how the division between brownfield and uh, uh, sort of greenfield sites is, is going to be in relation to these new housing. Government uh, ministers bristle um, when I ask them the question about the greenfield uh, and uh, I'm very quickly deflected onto well, oh, it's all the brownfield. There's loads of opportunities on the brownfield sites, but uh, you know we've had these opportunities for at least uh, twenty years in many cases. Mm. Um, very little seems to have happened yet. Yeah, it, the, the housing situation does worry me, me tremendously. We've got many young couples who are struggling to get a house. Um, they've come across to do key jobs. They've returned home to do key jobs. Um, we've got young people who are struggling to get first time by housing because even the system's been improved, it's not actually recognising them as being in need of housing support. And we've actually got an increasing number of young people and also older people are saying, is it time we actually looked at going across the UK? And that really does concern me that we've got this vision of 15,000 people coming at the same time we've got more and more people who are looking to go across and there's some massive issue going on here when we have the first debate on this you know raised issue in terms of can we sort housing out can we sort the schools out can we sort the roads out if those things are done local people send out that message that this is a place to be if we if we're promoting this as a place to be and local people are leaving it's not going to work well, I've, I've enjoyed that chat and it's great to see that you have passion and you're obviously still excited by, by politics after six years. So uh, um, anything uh, that you're hoping to have delivered over the course of the next 12 months? I think it's just kind of getting the maximum out of the opportunities I've got. You know, look at what 
the ministers are saying, challenging them if it's wrong, but also saying, you know, this is good where it is good, because that's the wonderful thing about my current position. I can challenge, but I can also support and I can also help things move forward. So, yeah, I'm in a good place and hopefully I can make a difference. That was Jason Moorehouse, MHK. Are you convinced about an all-island leisure rate and could this be seen as a first step in the direction of an all-island rate for all services? Let me know what you think by contacting philgorn at manxradio.com and get in touch if you have any ideas for future shows. Don't forget, this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn. Goromayo, thanks for listening.